0: This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. Accordingly, it seems like the bill passes committee. On
1: division. On division. Well, we had a vote. Clearly on division. Uh, Yes, yes. Is it agreed that the that the law clerk and parliamentary counsel be authorized to make necessary technical grammatical or required non-substantive changes as a result of the amendments adopted by committee including updating cross references and uh, renumbering of provisions Thank you Michelle the bill as amended carry on division Yes, on division um, shall shall the chair report the bill as amended to the House? Yes. Dr. Fry, Mrs. Uh, Thomas has her hand up. Yes, Mrs. Thomas.
0: Thank you. Um, well, this is the end uh, to Bill C-18, and it will now be uh, forwarded to the House. As you just heard, the government's two big Internet bills, Bill C-11, the Online Streaming Act, and Bill C-18, the Online News Act, both made significant advances late last week. The Senate Transport and Communications Committee concluded months of hearings on Bill C-11, it started back in June, by agreeing to about 25 amendments, notably including a change to the scope of user content regulation that is designed to limit the application to sound recordings as well as the removal of a provision that critics feared would limit CRTC independence. The amendments also included an age verification policy for online access to sexually explicit material that would have to be implemented by the CRTC and is sure to cause no shortage of controversy. The bill will be reported back to the Senate this week, and what happens next is anyone's guess. The government appeared to support some, but definitely not all of the amendments. Will it pick and choose before sending the bill back to the House as part of the Senate's third reading? Will it simply accept the changes at the House and move on? Will it reject some of the amendments at the House, thereby sending yet another version back to the Senate and daring it to make changes yet again? At this stage, no one really knows. Meanwhile in the House, Bill C-18 cleared the Canadian Heritage Committee with changes that invite legal challenges and make a showdown over blocking news content increasingly likely. The changes include an expanded definition of eligible news outlets that includes hundreds of broadcasters that may not even produce news, but doesn't include single journalist news outlets, thereby excluding some smaller local news organizations. Now, that bill seems likely to clear the House of Commons this week but Senate hearings may follow the C-11 model, with the Senators filling the gaps left by an inadequate and highly politicized hearing that even saw Liberal MP Lisa Hefner claim that online news outlets weren't real news. At the end, some MPs were quick to congratulate themselves on their cooperation in the Bill C-18 review, but the reality is that the hearings and subsequent amendment process has left the risks to freedom of expression untouched with payments for links solidly intact. Just prior to these committee meetings, I appeared on TVO's The Agenda with Steve Pakin to discuss the bills and why they matter. The interview elicited very positive feedback, and with the kind permission of TVO and The Agenda, I'm pleased to provide the audio version of that interview. A link to the video version and show notes from The Agenda can be found on my podcast page.
1: A couple of bills before Parliament promise changes for the online news and streaming worlds in this country. Bills C-11 and C-18. Both have supporters and detractors, but for many, what they're all about isn't yet clear. With us to help with that and perhaps explain why everyone should care, we're joined by Michael Geist. He's Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa, host of the Law Bites podcast, and he comes to us tonight from Lusaka, Zambia, And Michael, as I welcome you to the program, most of the time we have you on, you come to us from our nation's capital. You are a long, long way away from that today. What takes you to Zambia?
0: Yeah, it's my first time here as well. I am here with a U.N. agency uh, working with government officials on digital policy development and training. So I'm here for the week trying to work with them to try to get their Internet and digital laws up to speed. Gotcha. Okay, just before we start with the Q&A, Michael, let's just establish off
1: the top here that TVO has an online platform. It does make content available to people in Canada, which means C18 could, would apply to us, depending on what the final product looks like. So we just put that out there in the interests of full disclosure. C11, C18, how do they differ? Let's start there.
0: Well, they're part of what the government actually says will be a three-part package dealing with broadcasting, which is C11, news, which is C18, and sometime in the future, online harms or online safety is the third part of the package. And while there is some commonalities to be sure, there's certainly a target um, on the backs of the large internet companies when it comes to this legislation. There are some pretty significant differences in terms of how they will affect individuals um, and, and, and what their implications are from a legislation perspective.
1: And for people who just haven't followed every nuance of this story all the way along, they have become very controversial, both of these bills. What makes them so?
0: They have, and I think they should be controversial. Um, Part of it is because this is government moving into an area where they are regulating the speech, frankly, of of everyday users. In the case of Bill C-11, the Broadcasting Act, Uh, Big concern. And the reason this bill really took off was the fact that it started to move into the potential regulation of user generated content, people posting things to TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. And while the government has insisted that that's not their intent, the reality is, at least right now, the language still covers it. Uh, In the context of C18, which is designed to provide more money from Google and Facebook for uh, for media companies, it's controversial in part because who benefits? 75% of the money goes to broadcasters. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars here. But it's also controversial because part of the legislation, indeed the government now says the foundation of the legislation, is trying to compensate for linking on the internet. And that's activities that everybody engages every day and the idea that if I post a link on Facebook, Facebook needs to pay for that link if it goes to a news service, doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Okay, let's pick this apart a
1: little bit. User generated content is a very broad definition, which could include everything from a reputable news service to a not particularly reputable news service to people putting their cat videos on. What is the concern that's going to be impinged upon
0: here that people are worried about? Well, the concern is that you're right, there's user generated content really quite literally is everything and that's part of the problem with this bill. It does cover. Uh, just about anything that touches anything in the slightest way commercial from a user generated content perspective. And in Canada, what I think we've seen over the last year or so is as this bill, this bill less than a year, but the predecessor even going further, um, has come to the fore is that we've seen so many Canadian digital creators who are making a living online, whether it's on TikTok or YouTube, some of them with massive audiences in the millions around the world concerned that this legislation is gonna really harm their ability to practice their craft, to to make a living online. So I think it's important to recognize, while it's not, people sometimes refer to things like cat videos, this isn't about cat videos. This is about, thousands of Canadian creators who may find themselves negatively affected by this legislation.
1: Now, I know critics, when they pick a bill apart, they will look at a particular clause and say, aha, you see, that could be interpreted as X, Y and Z, and therefore it could have an adverse effect on content creators. But that's really not the spirit or the intent of the bill. Is that
0: what we've got going on here? I don't think it is, you know, the government has said that the intent is to target the large streamers like the Netflix's um, and Amazon Primes of the world. And had they limited to just that, I think we could have a good debate as to whether or not their approach is the right one. But I don't think it would have sparked the kind of controversy that it has. The, The problem is that it does go into user content. And I don't think you have to take the creator's word for it or my word for it. The chair of the CRTC has now appeared four times on this bill before House and Senate committees. And to, despite some attempts to sort of say, I don't think there's a big issue here, he each time comes back to the sort of the, the key fact. And that is the legislation's drafted in a way that incorporates this kind of content. OK, maybe give us an example of that. What are people worried will be affected by adversely affected by this bill that ought not to be? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it it links into where some of these regulations may go. And that's something that the government calls discoverability, a desire to ensure that Canadian content can be more easily found or discovered on platforms. And if you do that in a curated subscription service like a Netflix and you say, hey, you know, we want to make sure that the Canadian content on the platform is easy to find, I don't think people are up in arms. But if you say that you want to do that in a YouTube or a TikTok, it gets very complicated very quickly. Within Canada, we've got real questions as to what counts as Canadian content. We've got rules that would apply for, let's say, large scale film and television production. We don't have rules at all for digital creators. And so is someone who posts a TikTok or a YouTube video and is acting commercially, are they going to have to register that content with the CRTC? Is there going to be a checklist that determines whether they're in or out? And if they're in, if they're out rather, because there isn't this, they stand to lose within their own country, Mm. but they would say, and confirmed, I think, by the platforms, that the way the algorithms work is that it's even worse for them if they're in, because what is likely to happen is that their content is going to appear more and more on Canadian feeds, even if it's not something that they necessarily want to see based on their own user preferences. And those Canadians are unlikely to click on it, or if they do, unlikely to watch it because it's just not something they're interested in. Companies like Google and TikTok interpret that when they're people see content that they don't click on or watch as it's not great content. And so then on a global basis, there's a real risk that content gets downgraded. And so what we might ultimately be doing here is potentially increasing exposure a bit in Canada. But for those creators who 90, 95% of their views take place globally, they're gonna find a loss of revenue and a loss of viewership. Hmm.
1: Is it your view that this is frankly not regulatable and that we should just leave it alone and let the market do what the market does
0: well again let's separate out i think the large streaming services from user content when it comes to large streaming services we have examples of of jurisdictions that do regulate europe for example went through a lengthy process and regulates what they would call curated services where the platform makes the decisions about about what's available on the platform. Once you move into a user content space, a space where the platforms does, don't decide what's up there, it's up to the users to post that kind of content. There's no one in the world, quite frankly, that seeks to regulate that kind of content like broadcast content. That's not to say that there aren't some rules that apply. You know, defamation applies, hate applies, a range of those kinds of things will apply. Copyright, of course, applies. But we don't say that this is the same as this kind as this broadcast or other kinds of broadcasts broadcasts. that we see yet. That, in large measure, is what the government is trying to do with this legislation.
1: Can we talk for a moment here about just, I mean, there are a lot of people who think Google and Facebook are getting a free ride, that they basically, uh, they don't put back anything into Canada in terms of revenues, taxation or something. Uh, They're treated differently from, say, Rogers or TELUS or whatever, and that we need to do something about that.
0: Is that your view? And if it is, what do we do about it? Yeah, so that brings us into the C-18 issue about getting them to to pay for news. I mean, my view would be, first off, we need to absolutely ensure these companies pay their fair share of taxes and that they are subject to regulation, whether that's privacy or competition laws. This is not about no regulation. This, I think, with this bill is a question as to whether or not the practice of, of news on these platforms is something that is compensable or ought to be compensable. And what we're talking about in these contexts our platforms, let's say Facebook, that doesn't actually copy the news. It's simply users that decide to post the link to the news and it sends the traffic back to the original site. I think in, in most circumstances from e e-commerce internet perspective, that's viewed as a good thing by the recipient site. They're happy to get that traffic. It might mean more ad revenue. It might mean some new subscribers. Yet in this case, the government is saying the fact that you are linking to this site means you need to pay for providing that referral traffic. I don't think it makes any sense in terms of the way that e-commerce works. And I think the dangers of saying that we are now turning basic linking, which is core to uh, sharing of information online. People post something on a Facebook post. They wanna provide, we want them to provide the under- underlying source so we know it's not misinformation and yet we're saying that and the government has said that if you make a post let's say on Facebook without a link it falls outside the law but if you post the link suddenly it's within the law I, I don't I don't think that that works both commercially or it works even from a freedom of expression perspective there has to be some ways to get these companies to contribute taxation being obviously one of them, perhaps contributing to a fund to be another, without moving into payment for links and the kinds of risks that are associated with Bill C-18. Okay, and just finally in our last 30 seconds or so here,
1: you know, Facebook has been in this search in this situation in other countries around the world, and they have made a variety of potential threats. You know, we're gonna leave, we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna take our marbles and go home, that kind of thing. What do you think the consequences are here in Canada if
0: we don't find a happy resolution to this for everyone? I think what they're saying is for real. They have said both in Canada, they're even talking now in the United States, that they will remove sharing on the platform. And studies coming out of Australia when they briefly did exactly that, found that it didn't change user engagement. The fact is news is about three to 4% of the traffic on that platform. It's just, it's important to the news organizations, it's far less important to Facebook. And if the the parliamentary budget officer is right, who says that this could co- cost Google and Facebook more than $300 million a year, with the majority of that money going to companies like Bell and the CBC. I think a company like Facebook that we know is has seen its stock price plummet is going to say I'm paying $100 million a year for links to content? No, thank you. (laughs) Okay, Michael, it's always good of
1: you to join us here on TVO. That's Michael Geist, the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce and a professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa. Thanks for joining us, as
0: always. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to LawBytes at POBox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LawBytesPod or Michael Geist at MGeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at MichaelGeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The LawBytes podcast is produced by Gerardo Lebron Leboy.